What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. My name is Brandon. Today's guest is the amazing, awesome, energetic Krupa Kestline from KKT Consultants. She's in the beauty industry. So if you love beauty, love formulation, talking about new brands, new businesses, the industry in general, this will be a great episode for you. Krupa's take on everything is awesome. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. Here we go. Well, hey, Krupa, welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, this is going to be exciting. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, I am too. I'm a little worried about you. You're in Florida right now and there's like a hurricane going on. There is, yes. But you know, it's like just another day, although this is rare in like November, but but no, all good. We're all safe, hunkering down today and it's all good. Great. Well, that's great to hear. So I would love to just talk about KKT Consultants and what you do as a consultant in the beauty space. Yeah, definitely. So I am a cosmetic chemist by profession. So we own our own product development lab and we help brands, big and small brands, come up with innovative product development, product formulation, product strategy. We help with regulatory consulting as well as quality assurance as well. So basically, we offer anything that has to do with your product, except the packaging part where you come in. But we help a lot of brands with a lot of different things. Mainly, we like doing formulation work. Awesome. That's great. And how long has KKT Consultants been around for? It's been three years. Three years. And you started it, right? Yes, I started it in 2020. Yeah. So how did you go from... My understanding is that you've worked at a bunch of great companies and then you left that to go start up your own thing. Is that right? Yeah. It's very interesting how it all just happened. But yeah, like to take you back, like about 12 years ago, I started in the beauty space. So my original background, right, I have a master's in biotechnology and I wanted to be a genetic engineer. And I, you know, so I've always been about labs. And then I was lucky to be selected as one of the interns for Estee Lauder while I was doing my master's. And my Skin Biology Lab was right next to the Bobby Brown Lipstick Lab. And there was no coming back for me. Like, I Really? Could... That was the moment? Yes, that was the moment. And I had a fantastic mentor. And Estee Lauder was such a fantastic place to work. I loved it so much. And just to, you know, be able to get kind of like the instant gratification um, in product development, right? So like when you're doing core R&D, you have to wait years and years and years to really see your product somewhere. And to me, what was really captivating was, you know, just the fact that I could make something and it could be on shelves in a matter of like months or years you know so that's what was so exciting to me and yeah there was no coming back after that so then after that I moved on to Neutrogena and all of that but then very quickly decided that I really didn't I was not a fan of the big corp world, right? And I didn't like some of the ingredients that Neutrogena was using at the time, which they've moved away from since. And you know, I just did not like the corporate culture. I was not made for it. And so I decided to go on to help smaller companies, smaller brands that were doing natural and organic cosmetics. You know, back in the day, there was no clean beauty per se. It was basically just natural and organic cosmetics. So I got a great start with really great brands like Aubrey Organics. I don't know if you remember them, Brandon. They were one of the original ones, you know, one of the first brands. 
doing hair care at Whole Foods. And it was just such a great experience. And yeah, ever since then, I've been helping a lot of brands. And most recently, I was a VP of product development at a contract manufacturing place in Orlando. And while I was there, I that's when really like the clean beauty movement was picking up. And I was regularly talking to like a lot of different kinds of brand founders. And what I noticed was that everybody wanted to do the right thing. And everybody wanted to, you know, come out with the right product and do the like make the right decision. What really, you know, like disturbed me or I just wasn't happy with the fact that there's not one resource in our industry where a founder can go to and they can get all the information that they need in order to start the brand properly, you know, label properly have their product development questions answered, have like any questions, regulatory questions or quality questions answered. And so I wanted to be that resource. And, you know, I really wanted to help brands and brand founders as much as I could. And I didn't want to be limited, you know, because I was working somewhere or whatnot. So I decided to start consulting. And funny enough, my last day at my job was 10th March, I think of 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And 16th March, I think 16th or 18th March was like the day that the pandemic was like declared a pandemic. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. And yes. It was like a very interesting year, I would say. Yeah. Do you like, did the pandemic, I mean, change your mind at all? Or was it maybe good for business, bad for business? Like what was the impact on you? Yeah. So no. So I was scared. It definitely, you know, made me scared. I was like, okay, I don't know if I did this at the right time. It was hard. But at the same time, I just knew that it was the right thing for me to do. I basically during the pandemic, we had a lab in the house. I made a lab in the house and converted our guest bedroom to a lab. And I know it sounds scary, but it was really nice. And yeah, I started consulting. And as soon as I started consulting, like there were so many brands and so many brand founders that just came out of nowhere. And they just really wanted to work with me. And they really wanted to, you know, have that resource who they could call and ask all these questions that they've, you know, had. So no, I've been very lucky. And I'm so glad that I have the relationships that I have in the industry that, you know, I've been able to survive despite the pandemic. It's been pretty good. Well, that's great. Now, you and I both serve on Credo's Clean Beauty Council. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of get connected with Credo? Was it through some of the brands that you were working with? Or was it kind of your reputation in the space of being really focused in on clean, all natural ingredients? Or what was that? Yeah, it was interesting, which I you take me back a while. But I basically connected. I remember reaching out to Mia. Yes, that's what happened. I just remember reaching out to Mia along, like, I think in 2020, when CBD was just a thing and like everybody was talking about CBD. And I had my qualms about it. I was not completely sold. And so I remember reaching out to Mia on LinkedIn and we just hit it off. We like we had conversations and we just knew that like we were like talking the same language, I'd say. She connected me to a couple brands and then she saw like what I could do in the natural space, like the way I think, the way I innovate. And I think that is what ended up happening. And and even like, you know, I've spoken out quite a bit with regards to my viewpoints and like how I formulate and, and how I choose the raw materials I choose and all of those things. And I think all of those things together is what, you know, I hope made Credo, you know, notice me and they decided to give me the opportunity to be on their council. 
Yeah. Gosh, there's such a great organization to be affiliated with. Yes, definitely. Okay. So I kind of want to go through this process because I think a lot of people that listen are curious about what it means to like bring a brand, you know, to life. So let's just say that I want to launch my own personal care product line brand. What would, how would you kind of guide me through your process? So when a brand founder comes to us and they want to, you know, launch a product, launch a brand, what we've started, what we've really done, and this wasn't like, this is more of an evolution. We've evolved as we, you know, we've started a certain way and then we've evolved. And then where we are now is that when someone, like if you would come to me, I'd say, okay, Brandon, let's sit down. Let's do a discovery and let's sit down and figure out why you want to start the brand, right? We'll have a whole like two hour long chat and I really want to understand why you want to do this. What do you want to do? What kind of products do you want? What kind of products make sense? I am a firm believer that the beauty space right now and personal care space right now is so saturated that it is very, very hard to innovate in the space. And it is very hard to, you know, it's also not sustainable to come out with just a moisturizer. There's millions of moisturizers out there right now. So I really push my brand founders to like go deeper and understand what they are, what is like authentically their product. And that is what we try to like bring to life, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what you're basically saying is that the person who's launching a brand right now has to have a really clear why. And it's got to be special. Like it's got to be different to a certain degree than everything else that's out there. Because to your point, there's a ton of beauty brands out there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what have been some of the great reason to start a brand right now? And what do you think is a really bad reason to start a brand right now? So I have seen both. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing you've seen more bad reasons to start a brand than good reasons. No, no, no. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think everybody has their own reason. And who am I to judge whether it's a good reason or bad reason, right? I'm nobody. But I have had, uh, you know, I have had brand founders come to me and say, okay, I want to start a brand because the margins are fantastic, right? And I really, like I was in the shower and I was reading ingredient lists and I was not happy with what I was reading. I didn't understand any of them. And that's why I launched a brand. Well, you know what? 15 years ago, that was great. It's no longer great. I think that there's too many brand founders that do that and it's great. But I think that the just the, the lay of the land is such that you need a little bit more than just wanting to create a great product, right? So something good would be, okay, And I want to say that like, there's a lot of brand founders that come to us that don't really know what they want, right? They don't know what the product will look like or what they want to do or if something that they want is even possible. So they don't know all that. And we answer all of that for them. What I want to know is, okay, Brandon, you want to do a shampoo. Tell me why. Tell me what hair type. Tell me, okay, you want to do sustainable. Okay, what do you mean by sustainable? Like, what do you really care about? Are you thinking about like aquatic toxicity? Are you thinking about biodegradability? Like we have really, really deep conversations to understand what do you even want? Right. And how much time are you ready to spend on the innovation? Because that is a big factor, like real innovation takes a lot of time. So we have all of those conversations in, in the beginning. And some of the good reasons to launch a brand would be, you know, disruptive brands, some, you know, launching something that doesn't exist 
launching something that people would have thought was not possible, doing maybe, you know, coming up with a completely new technology, maybe something waterless that was not possible, or maybe there was a new packaging. Maybe there's something, you know, a new packaging innovation that is definitely an innovation as well. And so, yeah, that's what we helped with. Thank you for sharing that. That's, I think that's really insightful. And I think you're in a unique place to be able to definitely judge. You may not think so, but I think you're in a great place to judge good and bad reasons to start something. And I think, you know, a lot of the early on success of beauty brands, you know, has attracted a lot of people that just want to do it for the business sake. Like they want to, they think that they can build a brand and, you know, put it out there. People will like it and then they can sell it and be, you know, multimillionaires. And, uh, that's certainly, I mean, I guess it is theoretically possible and practically possible to a certain degree, but the chances of it happening are certainly far less than it was 10 years ago, five years ago. Yeah. And I think also, you know, Brandon being a consultant, I get to pick and choose a little bit who I work with. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like working with founders who have a really strong why. That speaks so much. It really, I'm so passionate about it that, you know, just having that good margin doesn't really cut it for me. I'd rather like, I think I would point them to like a going to a contract manufacturer directly then. Why spend money on your product? Yeah. For us, especially on the packaging side, um, we've kind of boiled it down to, okay, does this brand want to sound green or do they actually want to be green? Oh, yes. Yeah. And for us, like we get really excited about brands that not only just want to sound green, but that actually want to do the right thing. And because it is, you know, developing more sustainable packaging or developing new, you know, potentially refillable or replacement cartridge programs, which I know have mixed, you know, kind of feedback on those, but it does take a lot of time. It does take a lot of investment and commitment to the overall thing. And if the why isn't there, they're going to get halfway through developing something new and innovative and more sustainable and they're just going to quit. Yeah. And I mean, what about how do you deal with, like, do founders come to you and ask you, like, really try to understand what the most sustainable packaging is or like does that happen often i'd hope so but i'm not sure yeah i mean we try to tell brands that calling your packaging people or talking to a packaging professional should be one of the first things that you do you know like first figuring out what your brand is and what kind of products you want to launch but then the next thing is like okay packaging wise because it one it always takes longer than you kind of think and then and then often you know and you know this the formulation and the product is going to interact with the packaging and so you know being able to clearly kind of figure that out as early as possible is going to make the whole process that much more efficient and streamline. I agree. I can't tell you so many times when we, we develop formulas and then the brand likes a certain kind of packaging, we have to go back to read the formula to, you know, fit the packaging. And yeah, I mean, I totally agree that people should be picking out their packaging at the same time as deciding their formulas because they both go hand in hand. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to not just launching brands, but potentially an existing brand that's wants to maybe think about adding on additional product lines. Do you do kind of a lot with that as well? Yeah, we do a lot with that. Some of our clients are very established brands that they already have a pipeline. They already have products in the market and they are doing pretty good. What we do with them is a little bit different. So we also kind of, we do innovation days, right? We do innovation days where we, it's kind of like a workshop and we sit down with their product development teams and their, you know, CEOs and then figure out where the brand wants to go and recommend products based on what they already have in the market, like where we see the white space, 
and where we see opportunity in their portfolio. Mm. So I always butcher the pronunciation of it. Is it I Ayurveda? Yes, Ayurveda. Yes, I do. I always I always mess it up. But I mean, that's been a really interesting kind of or. Tell me a little bit about it, because it's really interesting how it kind of came into the beauty space in kind of a like a quick way. Yes, I would agree. It has been very interesting seeing the evolution, although I don't think a lot of people really understand it. But yeah, Ayurveda is like a science, right? But it has to do with a lot more like Ayurveda is like a lifestyle, I would say, than just, you know, drinking your lemon and honey in the morning or, or you know, putting turmeric in your whatever drink, right? You're drinking in the morning. It's a little bit more than that. And Ayurveda talks about different body types, different products, different ingredients, different herbs that are meant for certain body types. It is a huge science. Ayurveda is a lot more than that. But what in the beauty industry, why it's so I mean, I think the reason why it's come up is because based on your body type, you have a certain kind of skin type too. And so to fight the aggressors in your body, you have a certain kind of herb that does that. So, you know, you can have the turmeric or the ashwagandhas or, you know, the gingers and the ginsengs, all of those things. And so I think mainly it's, you know, of course, for the skin is where Ayurveda comes in the beauty industry, but it has been around forever in the nutraceutical world and it has been around for a very long time in you know medicinal aspects for sure yeah it seems like that's been one of the trends is that beauty's gotten more i don't know scientific maybe is that the right word yeah i would say that it has it has evolved right i don't know it has evolved in such a like the consumer is just so hungry for knowledge you know like consumers want to know everything about everything and i think it's fascinating it's great but it's also challenging for a beauty founder, right? Because you got to know, you got to know why. You got to know why you have certain ingredients in your products. Very demanding. But yeah, the consumer has gotten very savvy with everything beauty. And I mean, the clean beauty kind of area, I guess beauty in general has been criticized quite a bit for like the lack of regulation and a lot of the, you know, kind of negative ingredients and things. Do you see that changing in the near future to where there will be regulation, there will be like a system, kind of like the FDA for food and beverage and, and, and any ingestibles, but as that's kind of applying to the beauty industry? It, that's, I don't know. I don't know. I hope so. I've hoped that for a while, but I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think FDA is interested in cosmetics, honestly. Yeah. So then it's going to come down to people like you and Credo and other groups that are kind of like holding the standard themselves saying if you know the products that you buy through us that we create they're going to be legit real clean effective products yes i think it definitely depends like totally is falls in the industry's hands on how to approach it i think i think there are definitely people out there who like don't believe in clean beauty you know who are challenging clean beauty which is a good which is a good thing too because you know like there are i think there have been because there's been so many people looking for safer products there are brands out there that claim things that are not necessarily true there has been you know marketing claims that lean towards fear mongering and i think that right now is such a great balance of like the people who are calling out those marketers and then there's also people like credo who's you know saying no you know, there's definitely something to clean beauty and that you need to be mindful of what you're exposing yourself to. So I think it's great. It's like it works pretty good. 
right now. But I definitely see the industry evolving a lot more and fine-tuning the whole clean beauty definition. Yeah. What's your take on all of the celebrity brands that have come to market over the last few years? So I don't have anything against celebrity brands, but it has been quite frustrating <laughs> to see to see somebody I admire so much come out with a line that is pretty much nothing, <laughs> right? So it's been disappointing, honestly, for me personally, it has been disappointing because, you know, I used to love Scarlett Joe and then it's just, I'm like, oh man, you could have done so much better. So just with like the quality of the product and just the overall brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that if there is a celebrity out there and, you know, they're coming out with a line and they've really done something game changing. Yes. Like, I think we're all for it. But just to see people like just celebrities coming out with lines and charging tons of, you know, hundreds of dollars for something that is just a drugstore product is just, you know, that's what's disappointing. Yeah. I know we're not going to call out anyone here, but of kind of the percentage of celebrity brands you've seen, mm-hmm. what percentage do you think are doing it pretty pretty well? I would say like 20% are doing, like I can probably two or three come to mind that are doing it right, that have the right kind of products, that have the right kind of innovation. And, you know, I can tell that they have really invested in the product. Yeah. Yeah. Which brands are those? The ones that are doing it right, you think? Um, Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Give me just one. Just like the one that you're like most impressed with. Most impressed with? Ooh, I don't know. People are going to be upset with me. Don't make me do this. Okay. All right. Fine. We won't. (laughs) I know. And and it's, and uh, I know you work with a lot of them. So I can understand the position you're in. Yeah. If I were in your shoes, I wouldn't be doing it either. If someone asked me, what's the most sustainable or the best customer you work with? I'd be like, no, I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite customer, Brandon? What's your favorite? All of them. I love them and appreciate them equally, just like my children. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Well, hey, I know you're busy, but as we kind of wrap this up, is there anything else that you'd kind of like to share with our audience or? No, I think uh, this has been so fun and I would love to, you know, chat a little bit more with you at a later date when we don't have a hurricane outside. But this has been so much fun, Brandon. And thank you for the opportunity. This was great. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for doing it during a hurricane. And please, you know, stay safe. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. And thank you, Krupa, for being on our show. I think we're already going to be planning kind of round two of this. We're talking about the innovations in Krupa's life and then the innovations in our life on the packaging side. So stay tuned for part two. Until next time, take good care of yourself. Hopefully you're not down in Florida with Krupa battling a hurricane. But yeah, we'll see you next time.